Welcome back to Ain't That Swell Blitz. Hey, hey, you know who I just pulled out off the sidewalk as well? Jay Bottle Thompson. Oh, fuck. It's a super coach orgy up there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, um, a big man's chew of coaches. Oh, that's so Lovely. good. Boys, I've got, I've got Smivy here with us as well. Um, let's get straight into it. Uh, Sakurima. Just uh, kicked off yesterday, um, second last QS Challenger Series event for the year. Really, uh, a, a second last chance for our hopefuls to, to get a big result and, and put themselves in a good position for that last event in Haleiwa in Hawaii. Boys, uh, how do you think we're going to go here? We've, we've got uh, some good sort of, I guess we're in a good position really with, with quite a few of our surfers. Uh, what does success look like over there for, for you guys at the uh, Surfing Australia and the HPC? Uh, I think success is, uh, for me, mate, is just making sure that they all, sounds pretty cliche, but just give it their best effort and have a crack in time. Like, they're in Brazil. It's like They all sent some videos of us on the beach the other day playing beach volleyball in their undies, having a hell of a time. And, uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> they're, having a, they're having a bad time. And, um, yeah, and they're just putting the work around the event site. So that's all you can do. And hopefully we come up trumps So, yeah, like you said, we've got some um, – we're in a good position. There's quite a lot of Australians, like five or six in that kind of top, kind of like 15 to 20. Um, so, yeah, we're right in the money. So hopefully we can get a big um, group from home. Tommy Whitaker said that, you know, it, it's – Pointless trying to sort of get people uh, thinking about new new strategies or new pro- new processes at this time of year. It's all about sort of doing everything that you've already trained for since the very start of the year and and backing the process. Uh, do you guys agree with that? A hundred percent. I think like the, the biggest challenge for you know coming into Brazil and Hawaii is just the chatter that's going on about qualification right now. It's like it all starts intensifying Soph McCulloch reached out to me the other day and it's, it's, it's so much chatter going on in everyone's head right now and it's just kind of normalizing that and um yeah it's, it's fun though so it's all about <laughs> yeah mate for sure I mean you've got uh personally uh your 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 crew their bots um uh lobby morgues uh, who else is in your crew? Have you got a, a couple? Oh, of... everyone's like under, everyone's under my scope now within Surfing Australia. Oh, mate. perfect. So, so, yeah. so you guys, you and Kingy, are both uh, sort of part of the coaching system there at, at Surfing Australia now. Yeah. So basically, like you could say, oh, I kind of case manage a lot of the challenger athletes, and then I filter them into the um, world tour for Kingy. So we kind of working together. So yeah. Yeah, we finish each other's sentences. <laughs> <laughs> Well, boys, look, I mean, <laughs> so let's just take a look at these numbers and who's in the running. Arkal is locked in. So good to see him back on tour. I think with, uh, you know, the Olympics sort of off in the distance and Chopu uh, being, you know, the, the playing field for that, that is just such a bonus to have him uh, re-qualifying and, and already sort of eyeballing that. But, geez, there's some exciting talent here. Liam O'Brien in at number four. Uh 
Dylan Moffat from Narrabeen at number six. I think he's been far out. He's, he's been a revelation, really, since he got that wild card at Narrabeen. Just stamped his name all over this thing. Morgs at number 10. I think everyone in the entire world wants to see him back on tour. So he's right on that cut line. And then Chippo Wilcox at number 11. Uh, and then further down, Callum Robson, who uh, obviously has double qualified. Shelley, he's had a bit of a shocker since Snapper. Um, but we've seen, you know, Lobby had a, a shit start to the year and has just brought it home strong. I guess what I want to know from you guys is is how challenging is it to go all the way to Brazil with so much on the line? Um, Brazil is a place that, you know, most surfers and most fans of pro surfing, they look at it on the calendar and they just go, dog shit. You know, no one really, no one wants to travel that far for beaches and trying to get yourself up for, you know, what can be, like, like we saw on day one, just pure storm surf, like absolute garbage really i mean how hard is it to sort of like prepare these guys even though you've got your processes in place to prepare them for like you know turning up on day one and being greeted with what they were greeted with with so much on the line as well you know what like i i reckon it's perception like the way that you just talked about it would make me want to be on the production line and <laughs> or, or pumping petrol at the local gas station. Mm. You're not selling that shit, Borna. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'm an optimist too. But that's that's literally how it's viewed. People don't look at Brazil on any format, like on, on any, um, you know, whether it's the CT or the Challenge Series or just the regionals. No one's looking at it and going, fuck yeah, let's get over there. That's going to be sick. Unless they're fucking living the old school 90s life and they're just – ready to pack bags and stay awake for three days. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know you're spot on, mate. I, I love your honesty, Borno. I'm like, mate, it's that grueling, like that flight. It's about 40 hours in transit, and then you've got to go over the Andes. And I just I remember in about 99 flying over the Andes. It's just one of those places where the sea temperature meets the Alps, and you just get these freaking drops um, and I reckon I, I was on a plane over there and I dropped about a kilometre out of the sky like, in the turbulence and four people on that flight refused to ever do that Andes again. And it's just, it, it, it is absolutely brutal. And then like you're talking about, you're right, mate, that intensity when you get over there, um, how passionate they are, how crowded it is, it's all those things. But um, I guess that's, you know, like, yeah, I, I, I just think, that, yeah, it's, it's all perception, but like, I love what Phil Mack said, um, and and when we're talking about chattering the head and everything, um, and Phil Mack, uh, mixed coach, just summed it up perfectly when he said, "Pressure is a privilege, and and so is that resilience." Like it just there's there's lessons to be learnt there if you if you choose to if you choose to look at it like that. Like if you can perform in that, then anything else is uh, you know, it's just anything else is a is a freaking holiday. Kingy, Smithy here, a, a big hamad to you and Bottle. Uh, mate, you talked about the arduous trip to get to the event, you know, flying through the Andes. I'm sure, you know, you're looking down, you're seeing the carcasses of Chilean rugby teams and QS campaigners <laughs> of years gone by, and you finally arrive at uh, Florianapolis or Sacarima, uh, take to your heat and fucking 10-foot mush burgers uh, surrounded by uh, Sacarima cigars. 
And uh, you lose in the first round, uh, as Sheldon Simkis has done. Mate, what's that like? Like, how do you how do you talk someone out of a funk like that, having travelled halfway across the world to lose in their first heat? Oh, mate, that's, yeah, like you're talking about, especially these days with the price of travel. I don't know, um, after COVID as well, when you're checking the price of airlines, like you basically got to mortgage your house to get there. So it, it is pretty intense. But then it's just like you're way up and, and, and what are your other options? You know, like what do you, you know, like what, why, like I, I just think it's just such a short window to make the most of what you've got. Um, you just have to keep on pushing through like I, I'd see it why it's a that qualifying series just sets you up and 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 like it beats gratitude into you when you do finally crack it and I I think you know like that and if you never do you end up like me Vaughn and Sam Carrier you lose your fucking mind so you just <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's like you, you, all your chips are in and it's like, so don't be asking me. I, I went on that circus for 15 years and look at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that was my next question, What's actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, y- yourself and bots, I'm sure you had early round losses in Brazil during your career. Uh, can you talk us through one and how you managed to turn it around mentally? For me, I just fucking hit the piss and had a crack in time and embraced the travel. So what you can do, I think, like, from my end, it's like, yeah, you spend all that money to go over there. And like Kingy said, it is perception. And um, I just want to paint a picture. You flip it around and we said that the, you said to the Brazilians at the start of the year, you got to come in, all the way to Australia and go surf Manly every year. It's no fucking difference. It's probably worse Manly. Like, at least mm. it's six foot over there at the moment. Like, it's it's just all perception. So, mm. Um, you're, yeah, definitely, like, you're definitely not paying fucking twenty four dollars for a fucking avocado in fucking Brazil. That's for sure. Hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Yeah. But, and I think too, like I think the actual unit of all the people now, like all the Aussies banding together, having a crack in time on tour. It was like the old days where it just seems like, like we've been running some camps out of there. And it's just all about camaraderie and supporting each other. And so it's just regardless of how the event goes, it's just like all right, get around friggin you down the beach most most of the days and support them then when it comes over have a cracking time out with the locals and have yeah have a belter boys hey Vorna, yeah Vorna, King. remember that you remember that summer at carriers when there was 22 of us staying in a two-bedroom apartment when you were playing with the goons yeah. and there's 12 <laughs> of you in your band that were out all night and then 12 of us competing um, until we eventually started to lose, and then there was just 24 of us out. But, <laughs> mate, that, that, that's what forges those relationships, I mm. reckon. Like, I, I just think, like, that that to me is just like, you know you know who, who you can trust and who you shoulder to shoulder with in life, and that's what we ended up doing. We always end up reemploying each other, and it comes from that because – Mate, that's that's when you fucking your true colours shine through. Is when you when you're stacked, you're dead broke, you're fucking sharing a bathroom for twenty four people. That's when everything gets exposed. So I reckon that'd be the lesson. It's just like, mate, you're gonna find friends for life if you can fucking survive this. Mm, that's such okay, a good a point. Good a good example, boys. Like me and Kingy like travelled together for years on the QS. We nearly went head to toe punching each other's heads off from time to time. <laughs> and so like we're actually working together in each other. We're looking at each other's. Ugly scones day in, day out now, and they put trust in each other there that way. So it's their fours that bond. So it's spot on there. 
It's such a good point. You know, at the end of the day, when you, you flip the script and you're on tour with the lads and the, the ladettes, it's, it's all time. They're, they're the best times of your life if you can look at it like that and, and shake off an early round loss. And I'm sure, Bots, you know, you, you're taking these groms under their wing and taking them to the local night spots and going, here you go, mate. Here's a fucking mojito or a caparina. Here's how you drink it. Here's how you drink six of them. Here's how you get legless. Here's how you wash off the feet. <laughs> <laughs> and I think too, like, I mean, we always look at the CT like it's this fucking holy grail. But I've honestly, if I look back on my shit little career that I had, it, it, it was just piss poor. But, um, like, I, I really, the QS was like, it was the funnest time of my life. There's no doubt about it. And, like, you know, you get on tour, everything's a little bit different. Like, just, I guess it's a little more isolated, a bit more money, and it isolates you a little bit more. So you do miss that whole support and camaraderie. So, yeah, I think like I think that's the attitude that these athletes are embracing, and that's kind of what I push on and talk about. You know, you, it's just you're in the guts of the your career right now. It's not just a CT. That's not the end destination. You're in the guts of it now. So, yeah, it's fun. Oh, that's that. such a good way to look at it. Uh, Ryan Callan mentioned when we spoke to him recently. You know. Uh, He'd been on the CT, obviously, and he'd come back to the Challenger Series and he was blown away and actually felt like he, he had to make a huge effort to be included in that camaraderie that the, the Challengers guys had forged over the last two years since COVID. You know, he was like, oh, fuck, I've, I've been trying to get down there and get into the beach and get in the spirit of it, but they're, they're such a unit that he was, you know, he was, he was basically going, fuck, I've got to reintroduce myself to this level of support and this level of team atmosphere, which was, I thought, fucking incredible. Did you guys see that little Instagram post that fucking um, Ryan, Sean, Lobby went out for a handshake at the end of that heat? Nah. (laughs) What happened? It's a pisser. (laughs) Lobby's gone up, jammed his hand out, just... Ryan didn't know it was there. He just turned away. Lobby put his head down and walked away. Oh, completely shined by the CT guy. <laughs> oh, that's all time. So, boys, look, just before we get on to the women, Morgan and, and Chippo, like, Morgs is a cult hero. Everyone loves him. They want to see him on tour. But we saw we saw that sort of uh, second-year hoodoo thing where, where the brain started overtaking the the feel, if, if that's the right way to sort of um, phrase it. Morgs just attacked his first year with just nothing to lose, got the big contracts, got all the expectation, moved up into the A-team with Rip Curl, and, and that comes with a lot of weight, and he found himself not requalifying, not making the cut. Chippo is in a, a different kind of uh, sort of area of experience where he surfed a lot, a lot of CTs without ever having made the tour, they're on that cut line, like more than anyone, they'd be feeling it. So, what's sort of, how do you sort of feed ex- your experience and wisdom into them heading into these last two events? Um, oh, look, he's looking at me, give me a nod to you, Jen. Um, <laughs> don't give me that nod, Mike. Um, yeah, um, I guess, um, how do I approach it? I mean, I just, every event's the same, mate. I mean, yeah, every, for me, it's like, the intensity of your first heat of the year should be the same as your last, you know, event of the year. And again, I think it just comes back to just normalizing the chatter. It's like, it's, that's all it is. It's like, whether it's like, um, you know, you're trying to make the mid-year cut or you're going for a world title, the intensity kind of builds and that's completely normal. And, 
you know, the athletes, like, there's two ways of kind of looking at it. Again, that word that can you use perception and um, I think just accepting it and recognising it and fucking how you – the processes around that, like how you deal with it. I think that's a big big part of um, my role I've been working on, just um, – just understanding, you know, like, you know, what your defaults are when those, you know, the chatter comes into your brain and just recognise it's there, but then how do you how do you respond to that? And that's whether it's, you know, at an event site, like walking around the event site or in a heat, doesn't really matter. It's just like understanding your processes and then getting in touch with, you know, feeling uncomfortable and, yeah, embracing it and, mm. and stepping up to the plate when the heat comes around. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a radical one for those two, men. They want it so bad. They've tasted it. I just feel like more than anyone, that that turning of the screw is going to, you know, kind of, I guess it'll amplify the head noise. That's the most it can do, right? Like they they start thinking about the big picture rather than what's in front of them. Yeah, and I think too, I think the big one, and can you be on board with this too, just being on the front foot, like people, like they go into protective mode the back end of the year of like, fuck, like they're trying to protect their qualification, but they're not there yet. There's nothing to fucking protect. So, just the perception around that is just being on the front foot and staying on the attack because it's all well and good to be on the protect now, but when they get on the world tour, they're going to blast it off again. They're surfing in that space. So it's kind of like the stuff, the messaging that I'm talking around the athletes, like especially Morgs, like, you know, he does, he's horrible. It's like he's horrible at seven heats when he's on the back foot. So he's got to be on the attack and that's why he dominated so good at the start of obviously his career. So yeah, he's tapping into that space again. He's building his confidence back. Yeah. And looking at someone like Sheldon, who I, you know, had an incredible start to the year, running up at Snapper to Callum Robson, only to, to really fall off the pace, and now another early round loss in Brazil. I mean, have you identified what's been going wrong for Sheldon and, and what he has to turn around ahead of Halieva? Uh, well, yeah, like, I just think um, it's just that, it's just a, like, uh, like, I think it's um it's like we talk about it is that it is that grind and that resilience like it it's um yeah you can't it, backing up what bottle said I mean you can't put your foot off off the accelerator and we try and create that it has to be done in your training you have to make things harder faster and in a less period of time um regularly and put yourself in those uncomfortable situations so time is slow down when you've got thirty minutes in you getting hit with six foot of backwash. So it comes in your preparation. Like you have to make things way more harder and intense than what they are. And, and to stay in that space for a whole year, I, I, you've got to be, you've got to really, um, you've got to really want it because it's fucking uncomfortable. Like, and, and I think that's, that's what happens. And it's a little bit, um, especially up here on the points and, and it's fucking, we live a pretty beautiful life. Like, um, there isn't a lot of that challenge, and so you have to be so driven to force yourself into those situations that you, you you're going to scrap and and create them, um, and and that's what it takes. And and if you put your foot off, that's the process. Um, the other thing is as well that that there's a lot of people surrounding them that um, don't like to do that as well because it, it, people aren't going to want to hang out with you. People want to hang out with that make your life better and comfortable. They don't m- move towards discomfort. So it's a pretty hard space. But the, th- the theory is, is that I've never not seen it work. It's that inner drive that you, um, yeah, that, that you move towards discomfort. You have to do that in the training. You have to do it regularly. Mm, that's interesting because the guy who knocked Sheldon over at Snapper was Callum Robson. And, uh, you know, that's something he talks about a lot is just getting 
comfortable with discomfort and man you can barely pull up his instagram without seeing him sweating his fucking ring out on some <laughs> exercise bike or rowing machine or doing upside down sit-ups in space boots i don't know he's got his most skits training regimen and mate you know i guess he comes from a, a sporting tradition uh in his family you know uh his cousins uh reese robson one of, the, one of the best players in the nrl his his parents are, are seasoned you know rugby league players hockey players like they come from from this gritty, hard training, sporting culture, Evans Head slash Casino slash Woodburn, hardly a uh, you know hardly a, a high <laughs> socioeconomic zone. They've he's had to grit and, and work for everything, but fuck it showed, didn't it? It does, mate. It's a, it's a, and, and it's a, yeah, it's 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 a no brownie, and that is the foundation, and that's that's what you have to be able to sit in that and then keep pushing through it, like so that that reflective of it, the results. The results um, are going to be reflective of that. You know, you need fucking two minutes to get back out. Um, you need a score. You need to protect something. Are you going to swing around and get washed in or are you going to hustle and get back and, and stay in the fights for the last second? And those, that comes from training and process and that comes from an inner, inner dialogue too that, yeah. that, that needs to be that want. It's yeah, crazy, mate. That- Sorry, Bots. I was going to say the, uh, the, the, the very first U.S manned space flights right it was called the mercury astronauts there's seven of them they fucking drilled these bastards they invented these machines that would sort of simulate what being strapped to a rocket ship and blown into outer space would feel like but they turned the dial like they knew kind of what the g-forces were and the science were in what the pressures on the human body would be having that many g's applied you know like the vibration of the of the cabins and all that sort of stuff so they invented these machines that could like simulate that times 10. So these guys were getting in these things that just whipped them around a room at like, you know, three 30,000 clicks an hour. And uh, that by the time they got on the rocket and they got blasted into space, they were so comfortable. Like uh, they were kind of going, what is this it? You know what I mean? And I, I guess yeah. that that's that, that's that theory in, in practice. Exactly. Like I just think after, you know, being in this space for 20 years, I've, I've not, I've not seen people, succeed without having that exactly mate and just looking at the women uh side of things mate uh, the women far out uh, haven't they been flying the flag now for fucking two or three decades for australia like this is this is just getting incredible like from from lane to steph to tyler to this whole new wave that's coming on the back of of what's going on but like macy callahan leading the the ratings right now molly picklam in second then we've got Katie Simmons and Betty Lou. And then there's a fair bit of daylight, like 26,000 points Betty Lou's on at fourth to 19,000 for Nikki. But Nikki Van Dyke, Sophie McCulloch and Bronte McCauley all in striking distance of, you know, qualifying with just one good result. Um, can you give us a bit of an idea of just sort of like what the moxie and the, the attitude of these women is like in camp? Because they just seem to have fucking no end of self-belief, eh? You know what? Like, and this is what bottles done amazing is um is it is that it, in all the training blocks they um we don't separate them. It's um it's a, it's it's unisex the training um so that that like where they and they've they've won actually won the block. So when we've had the men and women come together, um and that's not adjusting scale either. Like it just um again like they they've just they've taken to that challenge and obviously um just just had a quality space and now 
throwing um, pipe and tropes in these locations at them, um, it's definitely like it's it's they have to step up to survive. So it's um it's it's been fascinating. Like I, I I've been shocked by the trajectory on how good they've gotten so quick. Like by watching it real time, they're hitting that mark so regularly. Like yeah, it's 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 a vertical trajectory. Jeez. I reckon like they're fascinated. Like I can't agree with you guys more. Like I just. Yeah, it blew me away. I thought, like, I, I thought what they're doing right now wasn't going to be happening for another decade. Jeez, mm, it'd be good to see the Rainbow Serpent, Nikki, the Raging Bull Van Dyke get back on tour. I mean, geez, the first full-blown doofhead to be on the world tour since Robbie Page, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I hope she's match fit. I hope she's been doing some stints at some, uh, you know, boom in Portugal and some of the other five-day fucking cat fests over there. In the world, uh, Sophie McCulloch, obviously, and BMAC, Bronnie McCauley. Come on, BMAC. Just tap it in. Get on there. <laughs> <laughs> She's going. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, the Aussie chicks are there. Go mad. It's so good to see. Yeah, and they've progressed like, it's, I reckon, like, yeah, the way the tour is structured now, moving forward, you know, we've just obviously saw a bit of stuff at Pipe last year and then Chokes and like, I, I honestly think that they have to expand, you know, the female uh, world tour. I just don't think it's enough, especially you look at the depth and the challenge now and there's you know, only five females that qualify, but, you know, there's going to be some amazing surfs that dip out. I think the WSL should look to expand. God, fuck, if they're going to do that. But I, I completely well agree, said. mate. I'm looking at this top 10 of the, yeah. of the women's uh, challenger series and that could just be added instantly to what already exists on the CT and you would not miss it. Like you, you would be frothing for every heat. Like like yeah. Luana Silva's in there, Sawyer Lindblad's in there, Fahini Fierro's in there. Like, fuck, man. Yeah. As if you don't want to see these women surfing CTs. Like they should all yeah. be in there. And I agree, give give that next rung of uh, talent a little bit of something to fight for because at the moment that top 10 is as good as the top 10 pretty much on, on tour. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, boys, look, uh, oh, far out. So good to have a chat to you. Thanks for taking time out from your Christmas party. You all right? You got us in trouble with the boss. Cheers, boys. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Magic, look, it's always good to get insights. And, um, you know, far out. Brazil, it's such a it's such a hairy one. But hopefully, uh, and I'm sure they have with, with you guys in their corner, got the uh, attitude right, the perception bang on and um, – yeah, mate, just steer clear of those nightclubs and those fucking dodgy blokes selling packets in the corner, eh? Mm, hope it's not snowing too much over there. <laughs> hope it's not a white Christmas, boys. <laughs> oh, oh, you said it, man. Fuck, you got it. <laughs> on your king. Oh, on your botsy. See you, gentlemen. See you, legend. Bye, boys. <laughs> Competition surfing. Nerdism.